cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 29. NASDAQ Futures down 53 after a down day yesterday. So not what everybody wants to see today. We have the, maybe the, one of the bigger newses today is that news items. Newses. Is that really a word, Eliani? Newses? I don't think so. I think it's just the news. Just, I think it's just the news, yeah. yeah. No, news is... Uh, uh, I suppose, what, what if you say you watch both Channel 5 and 7 news? You watch the newses. Yeah, English is weird that way. Yeah. Uh, like phonetics, it's spelled not phonetically. It's pretty dumb. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting language. Uh, actually, the, but the euro, for those that actually watch these things, and the dollar and so forth, I mean, the dollar is uh, clearly something that's a, been an issue with the, the people in the metals, some of my people in the gold and silver because the dollar gets stronger generally your metals in relation to that currency will will go down now in relation to the euro and the pound gold is probably actually up so I mean it's I think uh, well anyway the euro is about to break a dollar here it's exactly uh, where, where do I have it I have it at 1.0026 dollars and I have the pound at 1.185 dollars and those are both Real low in relation to the dollar. We have Mr. Brendan. I'm here. How are you, buddy? Uh, Sounds like a good time to go to Europe. Yeah, you know, I was just uh, actually in the last... Uh, well, I've been trying, as you know, Brendan, I think I'm trying and be perfectly blunt, probably failing miserably, uh, to try and uh, get uh, the listeners to think more in terms of the dollar being just yet another commodity. I mean, obviously a very important one and a different one, but it is it is just another economy. And in Europe, I was only there a couple times when uh, they had, you know, before it was the euro dollar and you had to go to all the different, uh, every time you, it seemed like every time you crossed the street you had to change your, your stuff, right, from a, we had, what was the, the Dutch was what, the guilder? It was the guilder. And uh, when we went we to. the pound, you had the sterling pound. Yeah, then we had the Austrian. Uh, Lira. What was Austria? Well, Germany was a Deutschmark. Was Austria, was Austria the Lira? Oh, Italy's the lira. I thought Italy was the lira. Yeah, Austria was, uh... Boy, there's a good one. Elena, how about looking that one up for the two dummies, two old dummies here? What was Austria's currency? Uh, Looks like here it was compatible to that of the Germans, where they were using shillings before the euros. That's right, it was a shilling. Yeah. Was a, uh, so we went to, uh... We went to Austria, we had to, we had to go into Marx, and then we had to do something else somewhere else, but if all of a sudden you got a, you got a better price, say, say you're going to the Austrian bar across the street, uh, or if you're in Amsterdam, you had to go just about anywhere, you had to go get somebody else's stuff, uh, and you got a better deal on the mark, you knew, you knew that the reason why the beer was a little cheaper was because the mark had dropped. Where here, you, you, never, you never make the, the idea that when you go in to buy a, a pickup truck and it's 70 grand versus 40, <laughs> you know, several years ago, you immediately think, the price of the truck went up. You never, you never dream that the vi- the value of the dollar in your pocket is really what's going down. And it's just we, we just don't think that like that, Brennan. And with the way the way the government's treating our dollar, maybe we should. 
you know, but it, but it's never going to come easy to anybody. It doesn't even come easy to me, and I've been studying this my whole life. It just, it, I mean, I I mean, who do you know ever thinks of things that way? I don't know anybody, even even me on a daily basis. No, it's it's part of everyday life that we don't consider. That's why, you know, when we're looking at economic issues, there are so many factors that enter into it. There's no simple answers to, to why something goes up or down. And that's why numbers can be presented differently. And I just... Uh, for good or for bad. Yeah, for good or for bad. And I... I, the the biggest message when this is started hell we started doing the show it has to be twelve years ago, and it was fairly obvious then that we had an inflation going after the two thousand and eight fiasco because uh, we had more money going in the system than was being used it was it was a creepy crawler inflation it was mostly in healthcare and education a few areas it was kind of limited to those areas and uh, and and in those areas you had a lot of people had insurance so to a large extent you didn't really feel the the medical stuff right it was just it was just your company. I uh, had to pay more for your hospitalization every month, and you never really, really put two, two and two together that the hundred dollars more a month that they're paying maybe would have been yours if they didn't have to pay the insurance company. But that's not a that's not a, uh, a connection most people made. I mean, because no. and I think the reason why they didn't make it, Brendan, is if all of a sudden say your wife had a job with better insurance and you didn't you didn't use it, you never got a raise. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you, so you never made that connection yet. If you were, if you were, and this is what I'm, I'm getting to—a massive criticism of our elected officials. But if you were PTI and you're my brother Dan and you're writing the checks, you always knew all along <laughs> that if if he didn't pay two grand for his health insurance, if he paid one grand, he could pay himself a thousand more. So, mm-hmm. so if if you were in a position of the check writer instead of the check receiver. This is this is night. This is a bright light to you. If I wasn't giving it to these idiots, I could be giving it to myself or or to people here in the office, right? Uh, well, it works the other way too. That yeah. if 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 you are if you are my employer and you're writing a check, a monthly check, as part of my my uh, compensation package of a thousand dollars a month for health coverage versus two thousand to you, you've given me a raise of a thousand dollars when it goes from one thousand a month to two thousand dollars a month. Right. That thousand dollar increase doesn't go into my pocket, so I don't think I'm getting the raise at all, and I'm pissed off because I'm not getting what I what the market should be for my value of my services. Well, not only that, it it could get worse if the next year it's two thousand a month, and I say, "Well, Brennan, we can't afford two thousand. You you got to right. pony so up two hundred. You pay half of it, <laughs> or you you pony up two hundred, or or we'll just we'll increase your deductible from hundred to five hundred. You just think you got a pay cut and you got screwed. Yeah. You know, and in a certain and, extent and you did. But you yeah. And you're, you're saying, hey, what what the hell? But, but it, it never even dawns on you, but even though I'm now, quote, screwing you, it's costing me seventeen fifty a month when it used to cost me a thousand. And you know, there's a somewhere buried in my, I hesitate to call them files, somewhere in the office here. I know I have a study from a, a lady from CNBC terrific article where she went back this has to be a four or five year old study she went back ten years and she said the increases in in, uh, salaries across the board did not match the increases in what people's contribution to their health care was zero a month and it's 150 and it's 200 and then your your deductible goes up by a thousand didn't even match the people's share of their increase in their health care contributions 
So in other words, if if you got a five thousand dollar raise at the end of the decade, you probably were paying it more than five thousand in your share. You know, the dental you didn't used to get, now you don't, and in, in your share of the increased health, which is which is mm-hmm. pretty awful. And yet, our, our our creatures at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and probably to a large extent the healthcare industry, which has got to be the single biggest lobby now as an industry. I mean, I don't think it's even close compared to used to be like the. Uh, you know, the defense and stuff, I don't think it's even close to that. Those guys, they didn't, they didn't want any of that stuff counted. Right? So, when, mm-hmm. you, so when, I, when I look at what's going on and I listen to these people all day long, the, the biggest danger, you know, and, I, and I, you know, I'm sure somewhere in a show I, I said it succinctly, 12 years ago when you start having inflation, is the chaos it causes. The, the lack of definition, the lack of being able to know whether you're on, you're on shore or on water in terms of economics. The unevenness of it, because there was a guy. There's a guy who's on CNBC all the time. Likes to think he's a genius. You get the glasses, look the whole bit. Not that if it, I'm wearing glasses, but I mean, if if you got the anyway, he's, he's got the genius look going to him, and he thinks he is okay. But he he just kept ranting and raving yesterday about how great the economy is, and how there's no friggin' way on earth that with a 3.6 percent unemployment, when people when they're they're trying to get people to go to work. That there's no way on earth that, that we could be in a recession, and then I, of course, would have to ask, ask that I am, who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? The, the the we you're talking about with the job you're 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 saying he should be so happy with, has not kept up at all with inflation in the last five years, or maybe ten, or maybe twenty. You can't tell me that that guy or that family or that lady is not in a recession. But as long as, as long as you have people that are either on TV making a lot of money that God knows if they deserve, or people working for government that are totally above all this stuff. As long as you have them defining the situation, I think we got a real problem. And I know that's a a gross generalization, but we got a real problem. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I think. I mean, who was the bump yesterday? The, The representative said he wants to take away the inflation mandate from the Fed. What's the problem? Just let it go. Well, it's probably no problem for him. Right. I mean, how do, how yeah, do we, but to everybody else who has to pay their bills and, and feed their family, it's a really big problem. How, how do we even get any sort of consensus on this fiasco, Brendan? I mean, it's we went from if we have two quarters of negative growth, which used to be considered a recession. If you have two quarters of negative growth, even with these guys basically farting around with the uh, with with the deflator. I can't imagine how bad the economy really is for the average person. Can you? If you can't even prop it up through, through an inflationary economy, if you're going to come in negative two, two quarters in a row, how bad is it? Yeah, I, I agree that it's pretty bad for most people out there. And it, it's, um, it is with the staples when you're looking at food and groceries and gas. Um, and then, you know, where do you, where do you cut in order to make your dollars go further? Well, yeah, and I think it's, I think it's in places. One of the, one of the guys I, I do some work with over at NFO, um, gentleman from New York, younger guy. So I learn a lot from him, Brennan, because he brings up stuff that I would never. Evidently, he used to he used to sell, and he's he's not really he's thirty years old, but a few years ago he used to sell those. Uh, it was like a hospice policy or something, or I don't know, it was nursing home policy, or so, some policy you get. You know, if you think other people have to take care of you when you're. Basically circling the drain, uh, you know. I guess it's a bad way to put it, but I guess we're all going to get there. Uh, 
He said when he, when he sold it like four years ago, it was a hundred hundred thousand bucks. Now it's four hundred for the Cadillac policy. It's in like five years. I mean, there, there's stuff that's ex- gotten really expensive that you don't even think of, right? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know how many people can pony up four hundred grand for a burial policy, but it's a lot of dough. But uh, I, I don't either. And you know, I think medical costs are a huge component of um, of what many people don't see. Uh, you know, how many people on a regular basis go to the hospital? I mean, you, if you're lucky, you go every couple of years for your uh, or every year for your your annual physical, and you see the doctor. But a lot of doctors are cutting back on some insurance and going to their own type of uh, policies, concierge policies. Have you heard about this? Uh, I have Where one. They don't take insurance, and they'll charge you a flat fee, say $2,500 a year, and that'll include all of your, uh, your typical medical procedures, actually, your annual physical and other things like that. Actually, they do it's take insurance. Fee. They do take insurance. And no coverage for insurance. Right, well, the one I have, they do take insurance. You, you you pay to essentially the doctor limits his size of his group, okay, and he, so he's probably not taking some HMOs or something like that. But if 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 I go see him, I, insurance still pays. But 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 it it, it includes a uh, well, you get his private phone number, right? So you can call him anytime you want. Uh, it includes a, a major physical once a year, and if if you need to be seen on a Saturday, he shows up. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a way of of narrowing down your group, and people essentially paying for your availability to them. But if you show up for for two or three things, it's it still comes through your insurance. It's so it's a it's on top of the insurance. At least right. mine is it's on top of the insurance yeah. because if you if you do go to the hospital for a medical procedure, that's on your normal insurance. But I'm talking about just the doctor himself. Instead of the doctor's payments being covered by your normal insurance or out of your deductible to you reach it, it's just a flat fee, and he doesn't deal with insurance. Uh, okay, there might be different kinds, because mine it, it does. If you go go there and you get a a shot or something, it, the, the shots on the insurance. You you get the thing from your insurance company, and it, it's there. It's there. Mm-hmm. But it, the visits, you know, whatever seventy five bucks, hundred bucks, whatever the hell visits are these days, it, the insurance is paying it. But you, but you pay just to be able to show up, which is, you mm-hmm. know. But it, it's, you know what I, what I have heard, and I'm not going to, I guess I am, the, the, the care in the hospitals, from what I'm understanding, Brendan, uh, I fortunately have not been in one in a while, uh, the care in the hospitals post-COVID is really changed, I'll put it that way. I know, I know doctors that went to Northwestern Medical School that won't send anybody to Northwestern now. You know, I mean, it's it's incredible the cost, what you have to do to get in there. Uh, you're all, all you're doing is talking to a, a, the uh, physician's assistant. Uh, I know somebody who checked in there a week ago. Get a load of this. He, he checks in. It takes him forever to get in. He checks in. Now your doctor has like can't go there. I don't think your doctor can just put you in anymore. I'm not sure exactly. So the guy goes to his room and he's you know a tough old Irish bird. He goes to his room. He's there for eleven hours. Nobody even came to. He never saw anybody. So he told his son, "Give me my clothes. I'm getting the bleep out of here." And he walked out. <laughs> I, I bet he gets some. I bet he gets a big bill because they never, they never even saw me. <laughs> I, bizarre, bizarre world we're uh, we're in. Uh, <laughs> it is. Um, hey, uh, have you heard? I was. I did a, a whole weekend of concealed carry class. 
was pretty. He I, did. Yeah, I, I know. I, I learned so much. Lou's all pissed because I I talked about it yesterday with Jan, and Lou's like, "Hey, I'm a conciliatory guy. We got to talk more about that on Thursday." Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I, I learned a boatload. Uh, I learned how much I'm never going to learn. Uh, and the the teacher was so good. And Brian, there's so many laws regarding that. I it's like. You know, there's like there's 23 statutory places you can't go. You can't you can't be on any public transportation. You can't be any public buildings. You can't be in any stadiums. You can't be if if they have a if there's a permit issued for your block party, any any gathering that, that causes a permit to be issued, you don't um, you you can't bring it. You can't you can't can't be concealed. Like the only store you can bring it is Menards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, other than driving in your car, you basically you, you, you can't even though you have a, a, a license, you can't go anywhere. Amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, it makes sense. There's no Why'd you take the class? You know what? I just a couple people had done it. They said how much they learned, and I had never, never, I've never been around guns ever. I mean, I did one class. Remember Kathy, Kathy uh, uh, Durbin? She t- she dragged yeah. me some class in. Uh, it seemed like it was in central Indiana, just a pistol class for a day, just to learn something. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't enjoy the shoot, but the people were terrific. You learned a lot. And it's just, you know, I mean, I, I just like knowledge for knowledge's sake. And uh, this was was really, the guy, had, he's, a, he's a retired fireman. Uh, it's in his basement. There are only seven people. You end, you end up making six new friends. Uh, really nice people, but... The mentality of it is, it's it's kind of bizarre, Brennan. It's me included. Twenty years ago, if you thought I would ever be doing something like that, it never even crossed my mind. Virtually everybody in there was the same way. I can't believe I'm doing this. But I mean, we've had two major shootings outside our door in the last three months here. I, mean, I, I know. I committed that hour in the morning. I mean, in, in, in Lincoln Park, there was a, a carjacking, you know, two blocks from me. There have been three or four people, you know, and, I, and I'm not 25 anymore. When you're 25. You know, I was never the, the, the toughest guy, but I was big enough to where I wouldn't be the first person somebody would come after. And you know, I've been and that, but that's in today's world, that's a, that's a fool's the idea that you're that you're comfortable because you're a big guy. You're out of your mind now, right? That nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, it's to to think that 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 the and I would be very happy if all this ramped its way down and I never saw another gun in my life. But it, if it keeps going this way, I just want to be registered. You know, I don't know if I'll ever even consider buying something, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's going the wrong way, Brent, let's put it that way. <laughs> and I, I, well, I, I'm curious about this class. Were the people in the class gun owners taking the safety class? What, or one, one guy. What, what one, were they? one guy was a gun owner, and he had to do a lot of I don't know what his job was, but he had to go to a lot of wacky places. And he was he was trying, and he had just, he had just bought a gun. The other two were a couple, a uh, young couple, by nice as hell. He, he, uh, Worked for uh, one of the railroads in, in the yard and kind of home in a bad neighborhood, uh, and she was a teacher in, in some inner city school or something. Uh, but no, you know, then there was a couple of attorneys. Uh, but the, uh, but no, no, nobody, you know, I don't think any one of them plans on having the thing on their hip the next day when they're in close. Mm-hmm. It's just an idea that if things keep going the direction they are, I want to be a little practiced and have my license. It's basically the whole. There wasn't anybody there who's like. Couldn't wait to get it and was at the range, you know, buying four guns. I mean, maybe you get those kinds of people in class, but there weren't, not in this class there wasn't. It was just basically... How long was the class? Oh, it's a long time. It's 10 hours on Saturday, and 
in like eight hours on on Sunday, then you go to the range and you got to pass, or you don't you don't pass. You got to hit the target. Sure. But uh, um, you know, you <laughs> I tell you what, what's kind of neat though. I, my brother would never want it in the office. You get these like these like laser pistols, and you can put these little red targets around. And when you hit them, they they ding ding off. <laughs> you know, if you, got, if you, got, you know, if you got somebody in the attorney's office, like like sleeping, you hit the target next to him and wake him up or something. <laughs> but they're they're kind of neat. I mean, but uh, you know, that's what you learn at. You know, and uh, you learn how to take the guns apart and do all that stuff and clean them. And it's 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 a serious deal. I mean, every conceivable kind of uh, situation you could be in and what you're. But it comes down to using your head and never ever having to use it. I mean, it, it teaches you to be more and more aware with a gun, so you never have to use it than you than most people normally are. I mean, I'm saying I've been driving a long time, and I I've, I've been in bad neighborhoods enough, uh, so, and I, I always make sure that if I stop at a stoplight, that there's enough room in front of me to get around somebody, somebody. Uh-huh. Minute. But I never. They said always look, always look right, see if the sidewalk is a way out, if you need it. I, I never uh-huh. do that. So, but now I do. But little stuff you never dreamed, you know, if, if you get, you know, I use the term, two young men walking down the middle of the street kind of fast, do not open your door and turn your back on them. Because why are they walking down the middle of the street? It's not the sidewalk. I mean, you just got to use your head. You don't show, uh-huh. you know, show people where your car is. You don't open the door with your back to somebody. It's, it's all about I mean, not using it because if, if you end up using it, even even if you're in a righteous situation, just to, this guy's known a few people as they have to actually had to use them. He goes every one of them with the counseling, uh, everything else. They, they they're never the same sense. Nobody wants to shoot anybody. Nobody normal. Uh-huh. Nobody normal wants to shoot anybody, right? I mean, uh, but I, you know, but I don't I don't know what if I had to come in two hours earlier last week, which I normally would have. I don't know what I'd do if I saw some guy with a gun shooting at five unarmed people in the middle of the street. Uh-huh. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. It's not like it's not happening. It's. It's right here in front of us. I, I'd be so happy if it just back backed way down and didn't have to worry about it again. Uh, but you wouldn't believe the people. You know, Brendan, we should. We should get one of these ranges. I, the only time I went to a, a range was the one in, in Indiana, and of course, there's like nobody there. <laughs> the four guys who run it are all are all big dudes with their coveralls, their NRA hat, and a big beard. Right? <laughs> so they were the nicest guys. But the range was when you set your stuff down on your spot, you had like five feet, six feet, a lot of room. There's like hardly anybody in there, and guys are coaching you, and it was it was a really good experience. This thing, the place is mobbed. I mean, I mean mobbed. And I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I turn around, there's this, there's this black couple. They've got to be 70, you know, husband and wife. You would think they'd be going to the bowling alley on a Sunday or someplace like that, and they're going here to shoot. <laughs> and your the little spot you have can't be three feet wide. It's louder than hell in there. The, it, it smells horribly <laughs> between the you know between the thing being so hot and the people and the gunpowder. I mean, I can't wait. You could. I did my thirty shots in probably five minutes and was out of there. I mean, I hit the target. You know, I was I hit all thirty. All thirty and hit the target and probably twenty five of them were within you know a couple inches of the bullseye, which is pretty good when you're thirty feet for some of them. Uh, you know, so my first time, it was actually pretty good. I couldn't wait to get out of there. The thought of, of, of going there and just blasting away for two hours, I mean, I, I, 
I wouldn't even want, want no part of that. The place is mobbed. And there's classes going uh-huh. on in there. I, I couldn't have done this for 20 hours on these crummy little chairs and a table in there with all the noise in the background. you got to really want it to do that. I mean, here, somebody's basic. How much did the class cost? How much did it cost? It was 160 bucks. It included two terrific lunches and the range. Hmm. And when you went to the range, did you your gun, or did you have to no, borrow a gun? Or no, he, he, had, he had two. The, one, the ones at the range are only, uh, the ones you learn, there's all kinds of automatics at the, his place you learn to take apart. They're, and, you know, that's the bizarre part. Right? They're all different. They're all the different slide things. They're all different to take apart. Some have a hammer in the back. Some don't. I mean, you'd, you'd really want your, your own, if you ever did this, you'd really want your own gun that you knew all about. Because I, I took one apart, and the next one I get another one. I mean, this, this is all different. And they're, they're always jamming. So you got to know how to unjam them, like real fast. And the automatics are always jamming if you don't do it just right. Some of them are really, really stiff to get the slide back. It's really hard for a lot of ladies to even pull the slide back. I mean, it's it's a tough spring on the bigger ones. But then when you go to the range, it's all 9mm. So they're just the little ones. Mm-hmm. But, you, I mean, you wouldn't, uh, the, the ones in the in his place, those were all like 22s or, or bigger. But you don't, you, don't, you don't practice shoot at the range with that unless it's your gun. The ones at the range are all 9mm, little tiny bullets. Enough, you don't want to get hit with one, but they're they're tiny bullets, and uh, you have to hit you have thirty shots, ten at fifteen feet, ten at 20, uh, twenty-one feet, and ten at thirty feet. And you've got to at least hit the target. You, you can hit the target, you know, in the, in the pocket if you need to, but you got to hit the target at least twenty-one times. And, and if you can't do that, you know, you got you got a problem because the ones at fifteen feet, if you can't at least hit the target, I mean, you, you get you know, you're you got issues. Uh, but no, I, I, I totally enjoyed it. I give myself a, you know, a 20 delta on ever getting a gun. Uh, I would say 20% chance, unless things continue to get worse. But I don't, I don't have any, I mean, you just, just the care you take. You have an, but first of all, you don't ever want to have a, talk about not having a, a, a beer. You don't ever want, I mean, if, if, you ever, I mean, if you're going to go to a bar even for one, you're putting that thing in the trunk. I mean, you, don't uh-huh. want, you don't want any part of, of even, you know, a sniff of alcohol around a loaded gun. I mean, that... Right. I mean, it's, so it's. Anyway, sorry we talked so much about that, Brennan, but you know, but it is sort of interesting. Uh, SP futures down 19, NASDAQ futures down 10. Uh, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right there. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Jackson. I'm Tom Allen. on the board. SP Futures not only down 15. We're coming back here some. Uh, we did uh, last week. We had one down day, and then we came back the next the day afterward. We're actually positive on the Nasdaq. We're up three, so not to worry so far today. Um, over in Europe, we've got the. Uh, the DAX down 109.8%. These guys are, are sliding some. FTSE down 41.6%. Kick around, not so much. Only point, down 5, that's 0.1%. We're in Asia. we got sell-offs here. we got the Nikkei down 475, that's 1.8%. Shanghai down 32, it's a full 1%. Uh, Japan had the uh, funeral today for, for Abe, the prime minister that everybody pretty much uh, really, lo- really loved over there, and a guy blasted him last week. Pretty awful. Hang Seng down 279, 1.3%. They're under 21,000. 20,844. Uh, again, these guys started a year ago. They were 29, over 29. So that's that's been probably the worst market in the world uh, this year. Well, there might be some others someplace, but are the ones we talk about. Yesterday, the Dow was down 164. S&P down 45. Nasdaq down 262, which was 2.3%. So a big move down in the Nasdaq yesterday. Like I say, today it's managed to make it to the plus here. Uh, bonds uh, down seven basis points, under 3%, 292 so the idea of the Fed letting all this stuff run off, that probably is not happening. Uh, Bund down 10 basis points, 1.14. Keeps that up, it'll go under 1% again. Uh, Japan, uh, 0.24. Oil, uh, down 463, under 100 hours again, 99.46. Brent down 446, 102.64. Natural gas up 22 cents, 665. Uh, Arbob down 15 cents, 330. So these prices of the pump should be coming down, and they're, they're really pretty sticky. A gold up four bucks, seventeen thirty-five. Silver down twenty-four cents, eighteen eighty-eight. Copper down eight cents, three thirty-four. 
uh, crypto. This is one to keep your eye on. On 684, under 20,000 here on the Bitcoin, 19,784. And uh, we've got uh, the dollar again. I mentioned earlier. We got the dollar is put. Well, it's right. It's right there. Uh, the euro, against the euro, it's uh, actually it's up 11. It must have ducked under a buck here at one point this morning. We got the pound down to 118. So right now the euro is 1.005 dollars, so barely above one dollar. Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7:30, sorry, 6:36 a.m. on July 12th. Let's start with sports. Uh, Sox lost to the Guardians last night, eight to four. They got two games today against each other. There's a makeup from uh, April 18th today at 12:10, and they'll be playing another game tonight at 6:10. Diamondbacks beat the Giants last night 4-3, and they'll be playing another game tonight at 8:45. And the Cubs will be playing the Orioles tonight at 7:05. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, currently a beautiful day, sunny, 70, with a high of 87, low of 68. Looking at weather in Phoenix, um, mostly clear skies, 93, with a high of 112 and a low of 91. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, not too bad. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between St. Charles and Central. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic eastbound on 94 between North Racine and Canal Port. And westbound between 51st and West Ontario. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. And finally, traffic northbound on 57 uh, between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Back to you, Chief. The uh, couple of interesting... Uh um, items here. We can, we can, we, um, Brandon, we have you back, bud? Yes, I'm back here. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, it's interesting <laughs> to hear the Sox score because, uh, this was supposed to, last week and this week were the weeks we were supposed to make or break the Sox season, and I think they broke. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, I mean, what the, what's your feel? What's going on there? I mean, are the pitching, the Giolito and Lynn have not been the one two punch that they, that they thought they were going to have. I think that's really hurt. Uh, what else do you think is uh, they've had injuries? Well, everybody's had injuries this year, uh, and and I think part of it is just a lack of training uh, coming into spring training. I think um, you know my sense is that some people came into camp uh, out of shape and overweight, partly because of the, the lockout and the strike last year. Uh, they weren't sure when they were if they were going to play the season or how that was going to play out. So a lot of guys just didn't take care of themselves in the off season. You know, a, a lot of the injuries are soft tissue injuries, hamstrings and things like that, and um, you know, that, that's played a role. But I have to believe that, that there's some, whether it's one or two individuals, that's causing a lot of bad chemistry, that there's something going on mentally. Maybe it's a reaction to Tony LaRusa. I don't know. I mean, Tony LaRusa doesn't seem very active these days. No. <laughs> I, I heard him on the, uh, I heard him in a couple of interviews lately, and, um, yeah, I think we had to check to see if he had a pulse. Yeah, he's uh, it's like he walked next to a car that was uh, people in the car were smoking hooch or something. I mean, it's a, um, I mean, Kevin is he can't believe what the bad baseball they played and the base running has cost. Oh, they're playing horrible. And uh, I mean, last week, last week for the first time in Major League history in what 130 years, 140 years, he had an eight-five triple play. Yeah. Center fielder caught the ball. The two runners took off, and when the relay throw was made to the third baseman, he was able to tag out one runner and step on second to double a guy off because the two runners that were on first and second took off running and couldn't even get back to their bases. And one guy was almost at home. The guy who was in second base was almost at home. The guy from first base was almost at third base when the when the catch was made. They had no chance of getting back. I mean, that's just stupid. 
I was at the game Friday night, and Luis Robert just let a ball drop a foot away from them. It was it was horrible. I mean, their fundamentals are atrocious. Would you? Uh, this is that's something you can uh, um, normally uh, get into the. Uh, uh, but I mean, I, I think the training is kind of. They're, they're all. I think when Derek Rose came back from his knee injury, the. Uh, you know, he didn't look like a basketball player. He looked like he was a weightlifter. I mean, I, I don't know mm-hmm. that. Um, the uh, you know, and, and I, I think these guys are. Is Luis Robert? I mean, he's a good ball player. He seems like a decent enough guy. Does he really think he's going to play center field for 15 years, 30 pounds overweight? I mean, uh, he doesn't look like a ball. I mean, he looks like a first baseman or something. Yeah, he does. And it is amazing when you think about how far we've come in the area of. Uh, of personal training and developing their athletes, and yet it seems like most of the players today, at least in baseball, don't last as long as they did. I mean, not only in their careers, but the number of games they play in a season. I mean, you're never going to see someone like Cal Ripken again, or Billy Williams with, uh, with their longevity and consecutive games played, because uh, they're treated in a way that after four or five games, they've got to take a day off. But also, even though the players are bigger and stronger than they were before, they're much more fragile. I mean, think about uh, the pitching staffs today compared to guys like Fergie Jenkins or um, or even Sandy Koufax. The, the number of innings that those guys pitched in a, a year, the number of starts they made, they used to have a four-man rotation. And, the, and each of the pitchers would routinely go seven, eight innings. And if you got taken out of a ball game, it meant you were getting plastered. You're just getting hammered in, in the game. It was almost expected that uh, that you uh, would go to nine innings. And um, guys in the bullpen were usually retread starters. They weren't guys making multi-millions of dollars because they come in and pitch one inning a game. Um, so the philosophy has changed. The approach has changed. And I think the training has changed. They're much more specialized in what they develop, and I think it's hurt them overall. The other thing that I think hurts overall is that over the last probably generation and a half, two generations, there's been more specialization in ball players. So that when these kids are in high school, they're no longer four-star athletes. They're no longer playing football in the fall and uh, basketball in the winter and track in the spring and baseball in the summer. They're playing baseball year-round. They're using the same muscles over and over and over again, which leads to overuse injuries. Well, I think of the guys that, I mean, you're, you're going to get hamstring pulls if you're, I don't think if you know you're the coach, not me, but I would doubt very seriously when you coach people for marathons that you prescribe them riding a bike all winter in in most stationary bikes. It it tightens up the same stuff you want to lose, right? Well, actually, I do have them ride bikes for cross training purposes because they can get their aerobic fitness in uh, without putting a beating on their body. So usually one or two days a week, I do have them do cross training with things like biking or swimming. Or even yoga, yoga and Pilates, right. uh, to to balance their muscles differently. So yes, I mean I do have that, but I'm talking about the specialization of uh, of a baseball player who's only throwing uh, year round instead of throwing a football or shooting a basketball. They're throwing a baseball year round and uh, and a lot. And, well, you look um, at some of the older guys. No balance. I mean, their specialization to improve your skills. But the other part of it is that uh, you're just using the same muscles. There's no balance because um, you use different muscles to be shooting a basketball or throwing a football or running track compared to playing baseball. Well, you look at some of the uh, older dudes, 
going way back, um, when Roger Staubach started basketball and baseball for Navy, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And wherever wherever uh, Brett Favre went, they were interviewing some guy. They go, "What'd you play in college?" He goes, "I played uh, shortstop for what was it? Where'd he go? Did he went to Mississippi State or someplace? Where the hell did a Favre go?" Um, I think it was someplace in Louisiana. Well, whatever, one of one of those schools. And the guy goes, "What'd you play?" I goes, "I played shortstop when Favre didn't show up." You know, mm-hmm. but you know the guy who. Uh, Died in the plane crash. The Cubs rookie of the year, uh, Kenny Hubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To this day, I think they think he was the <clears throat> the best basketball player ever in Utah, and he had a Notre Dame football ride at, in front of him, and decided to play second base for the Cubs. And he was uh, he was that good. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was six. Yeah, you don't you don't see a lot of those players anymore. By the time they get to the major leagues, they're one sport. Uh, athletes, and you know they may be very good baseball players, but the cost is that they don't have the, the balance in their bodies. Hey, uh, real quick, I have to talk to you about this. Uh, one of the, our listeners who helps out a lot by sending stuff in. Um, I'll get this thing here. Did you? Uh, I, I can't. I can't remember what was the, the building that that was the. Uh, I know Chicago Corp was in that building. It's had a bunch of floors, but it was a bank building at. Um, is it 151 uh, Jackson? Right in the corner of LaSalle and, uh, and, uh, and Adams. I'm sorry, LaSalle and Adams. And it became this, uh, it became the JW Marriott after like two years of turning the place into a, uh, into a hotel. 600, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was, what was the name of the bank that was there? I, don't know it's, I, I should know because I went over to Chicago Corp a whole bunch of times. Anyway, they were above the bank. But they just sold to uh, Wells Fargo. For a winning bid of two hundred fifty-one million, I don't know if you read this, in a foreclosure auction, and Jan Flanagan's always talking about the buildings down here. They're in foreclosure. The, the owner hadn't made a payment. They were two hundred three million dollar loan. Uh, they hadn't made a payment since uh, like a year and a half, and their debt went to two forty-three billion million instead of two hundred three. But in, in, in two thousand nineteen, they made a profit of twenty-two million dollars in there. Then in this year, the next year they lost six, and now they're just. Uh, uh, you know the thing just wandered out to these guys for for uh, two fifty one. That that's horrible, Brendan. How, how much how, how much of that's going on? Do you think you only got a few seconds? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of that, because, and a lot of that is COVID related because especially the hotel industry was just wiped out in the in the period of COVID. Uh, nobody was traveling. Nobody, no business people coming into Chicago or any other major city. So the hotels just. And nobody there. Palmer House is in the same situation. Palmer House is under foreclosure too. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And, uh, you know, the Marriott was just refurbished a couple of years ago and reopened like before COVID. Well, Brent, we got to let you dash here, bud. This time for sure. Have a nice week. Talk to you next week. SP Futures only down 17 now. Uh, Nasdaq's back below zero though, down a buck. So it's flopping around the plant line. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Pokeri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, North Bank Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 18. NASDAQ Futures down 5 now. It's been, the NASDAQ's been flopping around the, uh, the, the the plus and minus card here, so um, I don't know what the story is with that. But uh, uh, we were down yesterday, and, we, and we're down pretty much in Europe today. Uh, you know, we, we will see how this all plays out. But, again, it, 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 there's a big... Now we're changing definitions all over the place, which inflation causes you to do. I mean, uh, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's a crazy thing. I mean, right now we have the, uh, with the labor numbers came, came out Friday, which were very strong, at least on the, on the, uh, establi- or the, um, the establishment side, which had a, showed 300,000 up, 372 exactly. But we had Carlin, and he, and he never saw as big of a, uh, discrepancy between the, on the uh, unadjusted and the adjusted. Now, I, I suppose they know what they're doing. I'm, I'll say that with tongue in cheek, but I would never guess that you would have to add upward to the number in f- going from May to June. I mean, I go, I know, Leanne, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old, but it, it used to be that people came out of uh, came out of college one way or the other, or high school, and either found maybe a real job, with a, a, you know, I would say a semi-permanent job, or a summer job, so June was a, was a month you would normally see a spike in employment anyway. Now, I'm talking, you know, years ago. I mean, now there's not as many summer jobs because, you know, the colleges, you stay longer and you got to be back sooner, and it's really hard to get a 10 weeks in the summer. Um, but having said that, I would never have guessed, would you, that you would, you would add 300000 as an adjustment from May to June. It just seems sort of add to me um and uh but that's 
essentially what happened. And uh, so the 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 unadjusted did not match the adjusted, which uh, in the household survey, which I'm going to dig up real quickly here uh, from the, my famous A1 number here. The uh, we have a uh, we have who? Wayne Wayne Manson. How are you, buddy? Very good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Wow, a, a blast in from Wayne. How are you? I mean, is it what what is going on, what is going on in this world? Are you redefining everything too? You and I are now young. I mean, we, we, well, I'm 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 thinking that Large Hadron Collider over in uh, Switzerland uh, put me in a parallel universe because every every morning I wake up and look at the news that I said this this, this isn't the the world that I uh, grew up in. <laughs> yeah, well, except it's somewhat different this time. Matter of fact, it's it's really way different this time. Well, and maybe that's maybe that's where we'll head here. But uh, um, in terms of who's getting hurt and who's not, the winners and losers are a lot are a lot different this time than they were last time. The, the money. Yeah, you need a you need a new scorecard. Uh, that's for that's for sure. Uh, the, the the old the, the old um, rules and regulations don't seem to apply. Well, plus, if you were back in the day, I don't know what uh, your, your dad did for a living, but he if he... was a bus driver, bus driver in Philadelphia. Okay, so I'm going to say that the extent that he and your mom uh, saved any money up, which everybody, which everybody did in those days, that your mom was able to wander down the street to the, the North Philadelphia Savings and Loan and get 12% on her money when inflation was 10 so you didn't you didn't take a hit on savings, and I'm going to say if your dad worked for Philadelphia somewhere after it started, he got some cost of living increases that were buried into his raises, and at least was able to hang in there that way because the cost of living generally was depending on the union 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.6, sometimes all the whole way of the cost of living, and I'm going to say that. Yeah, I re- I remember one time he went out on strike. It was the transport workers' union for that. This is what they they went on strike for. They wanted an addition. They wanted an additional ten cents an hour raise. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it was it was on a, on a percentage scale. It was a lot of dough back then, but well, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. But the uh, the the winners and losers. Um, but clearly, if if your if your dad had gotten, I mean, I'm assuming your mom didn't work, but she may have. I'm just being very, very old school sexist on this. But uh, the big hits that he took were back in those days. The the amount of uh, what do you want to call them? Steps in the income tax levels. What's what's the what's the word right. for those? Uh, but what, there's a word for it that it's escaping me. I'll bet he jumped in the five or six years we had the inflation. I'll bet his his real income didn't go up hardly at all and yet he jumped four or five of those little they used to be like you know for 15,000 was a was a number and then 165 was a was a number and every time he paid a little bit more I bet his percentage income tax went up pretty strongly the government was a big winner back in those days right right and he he retired right after uh Gerald Ford's uh, campaign, if you remember the buttons he was putting out in 1976, it was with inflation now, the wind button. Yeah, there were um, still, still people wearing those on the trading floor when I started. 
Well, remember the fiasco, remember the fiasco with the uh, Nixon's wage and price controls. Oh, absolutely! I, I remember people calling Richard Nixon a communist. Yeah, I said, "Man, you don't know what you're saying." This was Mister Anti-Communist uh, back in the fifties. <clears throat> well, the the odd part, I mean, I'm sure if anybody could do it, you could do it. If you actually saw that document, the wage and price control document. It was the most <clears throat> one of the most complicated things I've ever seen. I actually read part of it because I don't know what we were doing, but we had to see if we could raise some stuff. And it was it was it wasn't like you couldn't raise prices. It had to be if you were in the in the bread industry and you could document the price of flour getting to you being higher, you could raise from some percentage of that. I mean, it, it was insanely complicated. But some industries essentially managed to dodge it, right? I mean, it, like like always. Some people could right. raise prices and some people couldn't. So that was amazingly uneven. How long did that last? Was that a year? Was it even a year? I, I think, I, I think, yeah. It, and, and then, of course, Nixon, um, you know, had the Watergate uh, problem, and I think people just basically forgot about it. And um, you know, ignorance was bliss in that case. But, uh, but you know, the problem continued, and then we got Gerald Ford and his win button. So. Yeah. So um, then we got Jimmy Carter and um, even worse inflation. Well, you know, it really, I don't know, with, with the amount of degrees uh, that you see, really, on, the, on the, the business talk shows, I mean, these people, I think, are pretty bright, Wayne. I mean, I mean, they started out bright anyway. But it really is stunning how, when your ax is being gored, how your, how your economic theory changes or something. They had some guy on yesterday. I forget who was the representative is now calling to change the Fed's mandate to not to worry about inflation. Obviously, he's he's on the plus side of this. If you're on the ne- <laughs> if you're on the negative side, but th- I think the thing that's you know, I'd love your opinion is that my opinion. The difference this time is the people on TV cannot they just can't fathom that we can have a recession with a low unemployment rate, and yet if people are getting screwed versus their how much they're how much they're spending versus how much they're they're making, that's your definition of recession. What difference does it make whether you're working or not? Yeah, yeah. and you know, I, I have a, a, a way to judge how bad the economy is here in Florida because, you know, there's a, we got a, this large retired uh, retired population down here. And uh, when, I, when I go through a um, fast food uh, uh, drive-in and I see an elderly lady working there, that tells me that that person is probably working just to pay for prescription drugs uh, and, and, and basic necessities like uh, the electric bill and whatnot. So I, I'm seeing a lot more of that right now than I, I've had it, uh, seen in the past. But that's my own me- measuring uh, yardstick that I use for how bad the economy is when I see the old people working min- minimum wage jobs. Well, so you don't... Look at the older lady in there working and thinking she must have a husband like you and can't wait to get out of the house. Uh, I, I kind of <laughs> figured that she had a husband who passed away. That could be too. Yeah. I'm just, but I, I think a lot of people that are used to working their whole life—it's not like they don't like their spouse—really like to get out of the house a couple days a week. I mean, that—that's the phenomenon here. I think, and at least it used to be. You're right. Now it's probably more the other. Yeah, I couldn't stay home right. five days a week. I'd I'd be a greeter at Walmart two days. I'd rather do that than sit home five days. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like the funny cartoon I recently saw where a guy's sitting on the roof of his house with a case of uh, beer. Every once in a while, he takes a hammer and he pounds the pounds on the roof. And, uh, uh, you know, his his daughter says, Oh yeah, he he told he told uh, he told my mother he's working on the roof. <laughs> well, he, 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 I guess he is. What? How? Uh, how is this all? How is economic policy here, Wayne? We'll keep you for a couple of minutes. But how's the economic policy going to dovetail with this election? I mean, we don't want a recession, and and famously, I mean, you remember this. I don't. Jimmy Carter essentially was given the choice by the Federal Reserve. It's in, at least it's in the book. Uh, uh, that one of the listeners sent me his big old history of the Federal Reserve, and his his the choice basically was, uh, we can put the economy in recession now or after the election. Should we wait till after the election? And he said no. They said it would be worse if we waited. He said, well, don't don't wait. Do it now. I'll I'll win anyway, basically, which he didn't. Um, but he now I got I have a feeling that these guys will push everything off to no after November if they can. But I really don't see the Fed. Coming up with a rate increase in September, that's uh, going to cause the market to go down two months before the election. Can you? I mean, I, 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 it might happen, but I'd be stunned. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny. I, Jimmy Carter's name comes up a lot in discussions these days, but I rem- remember the whole issue with malaise. Yeah, he said the country is stuff. Well, I think we're in this malaise. I mean, it's 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 a it's a good word. It's French, but. I, I think it kind of encompasses, uh, you know, we're we're in this post-pandemic uh, uh, era where we, we still have it out there. People are still getting sick from it, uh, but you know, you got that. You got the war in Ukraine. Uh, you've got um, you know all this inflation, um, which is tied back to um, you know Ukraine. Ukrainian wheat is not getting out to the market so food is becoming scarce the price goes up it, it's almost like it's a perfect storm and perfect not meaning good but it, you know a lot of factors are coming into play and sometimes I just kind of feel sorry for Joe Biden who's like you know I could have stayed retired you know <laughs> well I just <laughs> and, uh, mean you know, I, I've got to put up with this this, 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 this confluence of of uh, you know these uh, political, economic factors, and then the public health issue on top of it all. Well, when are they at least going to come to the grips, or if ever, that the inflation has been caused by them? They printed money and poured it in the system. I mean, that's what they yeah. did. And, and you'll, they'll talk all day long about the oil, about the Ukraine. The fact is, the general inflation has been caused by them. It has nothing to do with the oil or the, or the grain. How, how, how long can they keep saying that? Right, right. Wayne, we, um, how about if we have you back soon for a, a full segment, buddy? I haven't talked to you in a while. Glad to see you're still okay. W- All right, well, maybe we'll, we'll do it this week, next week for sure. Take care Sounds of yourself. Good, good to be with you. SV Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 2. Be right back, Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower North Bay, Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SB Futures down 16. NASDAQ Futures up 8. Looks like we're going to get a rally out of the NASDAQ. They were the biggest down yesterday. So, uh, like I said, the S&P is down some. But the NASDAQ is back to the plus column here, at least in the... It's been down, then it's been up, then went back down, now it's up. So I'm thinking we might have a little bit of a bounce back. And there we had a really ugly day in the NASDAQ yesterday. The NVIDIAs, the Teslas, all those were stocks really got, they got clobbered. Uh, led pretty much by Alibaba. Over in Hong Kong, that was one of the reasons why the Hang Seng was down so much. But Alibaba was down like nine and a half percent. Do we have Professor? Yeah. Good morning. Not just any Professor. We have Professor Hal. Good <laughs> uh, pal. Uh, hey, uh, do, do me a favor. We try and try and put when Carl, uh, you and Carl, were going back and forth. And boy, I tell you what, I'm learning a lot from your guys' exchange. Um, I don't, I don't understand now this this labor thing. Now uh, it was the best. It was the best report ever on Friday. Now, yesterday, everybody's done up a poke holes in it. Why Why is an adjustment from May to June almost 300,000 people in the establishment survey? I, I would have guessed. Now you're, you're obviously st- still a professor where kids are still in school. I would have thought that the adjustment from May to June would have been the other way, that you would you would take away from the number and not add to it because you get all those people coming out and getting jobs and so forth, I mean, uh, both permanent jobs and summer jobs. I, what am I missing here? Obviously missing well, something. Well, I think Carl was talking about how 
It, wasn't he talking about the uh, the seasonal adjustments? Yeah, he was saying it. Yeah, the yeah, 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 the seasonal adjustments to the raw data, and he was saying the raw data the numbers aren't very good. The seasonally adjusted data um, are pretty impressive, right? So I think what happens is when they when, when you're doing time series analysis, when you have a variable that varies through time, you have to account for seasonal effects. And statistically, you do that with a regression model that, um, well, I don't want to get too technical, but it essentially um, kind of holds things constant through time, in a sense, and then adds, based on what month it is, it might add or subtract based on a historical trend. And I'm not sure that trend is going to hold because if you're, if you're tracking the uh, GDP Now series uh, forecast of GDP uh, by the Atlanta Fed, we've had consecutive weeks where they're predicting third quarter GDP growth to be negative. So I'm not sure those past seasonal adjustments will bear out because I think the economy's Definitely in recession. Well, the so I, I think that's what's going on. I mean, it, I mean, a seasonal adjustment is like when I take when my in laws visit in the summer, we go to Park City because things are cheap. We if they visit in the winter, we never go to Park City in the winter because things are oh, yeah, double yeah. the price. So there's a seasonal there's a seasonal component to prices in Park City. So I'm not sure this seasonal adjustment is all that valid. Well, the, the classic. I thought it was interesting. Oh, yeah, sorry. I said the, the classic one, historically, was the amount of people that, you know, in New York City, I'm not just in New York City, but your Macy's and those places, when they come Christmas time, would hire. I, I know people with, like, regular jobs that would go to work for Macy's on, on Saturdays and Sundays just so they can get yeah. the discount and buy their presents. And stuff. But, I mean, literally, there would be 200 and some thousand people hired for. Christmas rush before you had an internet and everything was you know uh, bricks and mortar, and then they would all be laid off in January. It was not so that was the traditional. Well, most people probably had regular jobs too. They would just work these extra jobs. Well, a lot of, you know, a lot during of, Christmas demand is high, pay is high probably, and they they just go and augment their income by working this additional job. But a lot of them were housewives. You know that they would work. Yeah, and, yeah. But what I'm saying is, yeah. it was it was very obvious that every December. You know, two hundred thousand people got hired in January. They all got laid off. Yep. So that's that's a and that's the seasonal yeah. effect that you yeah. have to account for in the data. I just can't understand. But I'm not sure yeah. those seasonal effects are going to hold right now. No, I agree. But I don't see. Yeah. I don't see the. I don't, I don't get the the adding the June number. I don't see where that's coming from. And the one I look at here now, again, for those of you that uh, since we're talking about this and and everybody in the world is trying to tell you what the numbers mean. It probably isn't a bad idea to at least go go through for a second and correct me here if I'm wrong, Professor. Uh, the establishment survey is some creatures in the government call up the places. They might be called the university. They might call up Hal's University. They might call up General Motors. They might call up somebody. And they, they do a survey of how many people are working that week at that establishment, correct? And they, <clears throat> yeah. based on the survey, they try and figure out how many people were hired or fired or, or left. And, and how many people more or less are working than the month before. The other way to do it is called the household survey, which is the one I look yeah. at. And then you call up houses. How you do this in the day of cell phones, you know, I don't know. But 
the idea is you call the house, you call Hal's house. His wife answers the phone and says, how many people do you have in the house are working this week? How many were working like a month ago? How many working here? And she'll say, there's two adults here. By the way, we're both working. We were working six months ago and we're working a year ago. Okay, so that's your, that's your household survey. And they don't always match up, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> they're supposed to match up, right? Because I was going to run up people higher. Yeah, they're supposed to match up, and they were matching up pretty good up until uh, the spring. Yeah. Where there's a big, massive diversion that occurred. So it's really interesting. Um, and that diversion is occurring, I think, as the economy is sinking further and further into recession. And uh, the problem with the problem with the data is that in the household survey, I think you only have to be because the household survey is used to establish the unemployment rate. Right. And you only have to work one hour for a, a wage for a private firm to be considered employed. So that adds one to the employment level. Also, you could be um, considered employed if you work in a family farm like I used to with my dad, my brothers and I, if we work 15 hours or more per week for the family farm and we're 16 years of age or older, each one of us would add one to the um, E number, the employment level number. Even if you never so those are pretty low bars. Those are pretty low bars. Also, how I think, you know, and I'm not saying I didn't always do this, but the, the, the flip number here, again, yesterday I, went, I said I was going to talk about all four numbers, and I didn't. Um, the numbers, that are, that's, well, the three that are the kind of the most important with the unemployment number, there's a amount of people that are employed, there's the amount of people that are not working and we don't know what they're doing. Uh, they could be retired, they could be in school, they could be anything. Um, and then there's the un- the official unemployment number, which is designed, yeah. which is this, uh, defined as people that are not working that are actively looking for a job. But the definition has somewhat slipped there over the years. In that, if if you if you're laid off, what do you get? Thirteen weeks normally in your unemployment. I'm not sure what it is. But every state's the same, whatever. But if you get your thirteen weeks, and you can't find anything, and you're still working your fanny off to find a job on, on fifteen and week fifteen or sixteen you're not considered in that group anymore. So if you're not getting yeah. a check, it's a very sloppy way for the government can do it. But, out of the, but you could still be looking, and they're, but they're not counting you as looking. You go in the other column. So the numbers are, there's, 100, out of the, there's 158 million people working, right? There's 59, 5.9 million officially unemployed, and there's 99 million other people that we don't know what they're doing. They're, they're students, they're retired, they're something, something. Or they they don't have a job. Uh, they, 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 they may be selling stuff on the Internet. Um, they could be uh, a, a young carpenter who just got a job uh, that we think he's doing nothing, but in fact he's not. He's working, but we won't know until we get his 1099 at the end of the year, right, because he's not on a payroll, say. There's all kinds of slop in these numbers, correct? Yeah. Well, the problem with the unemployment rate is the divisor. The divide, the thing that you divide the unemployment level by is the labor force. Yeah. And if if we go into recession, people might start dropping out of the labor force. And when that happens, the thing that you're dividing the unemployment rate, the unemployment level by to get the unemployment rate, that falls. And when that falls, 
you can see an improvement in the unemployment rate. Right. And that's what we saw uh, when President Obama was, was being elected, when he was running for re-election back in, what, 2012. I remember this happening because I got blasted my, by my liberal friends. I got blasted by my um, conservative friends when I wrote this op-ed, one of my first ones. Isn't that the beauty of it, though? If you get blasted by both sides, yeah. you know you're right. <laughs> yeah. I got, one guy emailed me. I went to church with them when I was a little kid. He was in my brother Ryan's class. We went to Boy Scout camp together. And he goes, is this the house that I went to Boy Scout camp with? And he was really disappointed with me and my op-ed. And he emailed me at my work. Right? I hadn't heard from him in like 30 years. So um, what happened was the unemployment rate dropped like by 40 basis points from like I think 8.3 to 7.9. The report right before the election and Rush Limbaugh types and other conservatives on the radio were claiming that the BLS was lying. And I was like, I don't think that's possible because we're talking about thousands of people in the, that are involved with this number. You have to get a lot of them to lie, right? But a year later, what I found out was a guy in Philadelphia, apparently a guy in Philadelphia wanted to go on vacation early, and he was stuck in the box with a bunch of fake surveys <laughs> which drove down the number, which points out the problem with these statistics, right? If one person can do that. So I made the claim in that op-ed that it's not good news for Obama because it could be people leaving the labor force. Well, the number... And I, I, so I, I upset both sets of my friends on Facebook when I shared the article with them. Well, if you look at the, the size of these two numbers, 5.9 million is the unemployed and 99 million in the, what, what, what Hal's trying to say in professorial language. By the way, Hal, you know, the, the first economics class I ever took was at the University of Notre Dame after I, came, I, I left pre-med, and I went into economics, and it was a macroeconomics. You were pre-med? Yeah, freshman year I was. Wow. <laughs> I would never expected that. Well, I mean, uh, we had a pretty advanced high school. So, yeah, uh, awesome. So the, the freshman year of studies in Notre Dame, you could select different areas, and I, yeah. you know, I I didn't really want to do the freshman year of studies for arts and letters. Let's put it that way. So I did it in science, and uh, but I didn't. I never wanted to be a doctor. I just that was a curriculum that I wanted to take calculus. I wanted to take chemistry. I wanted to take all that stuff. So I did. And then when I left, yeah, the guy cool. said, "The guy said, what are you doing leaving pre med?" And I go, "Well, how about I don't want to be a doctor?" <laughs> there, there's a reason. <laughs> You know, I like economics. I like economics because I get to analyze people from a distance. Yeah, well, I don't want I don't want to get into people's head. I don't want to cut them open. No, no. It's In economics, a, I can just look at data that's you know observational from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I can do my research from a distance. I don't get dirty. <laughs> people don't die on you. <laughs> the uh, people don't, I don't get I don't get sued for malpractice. I don't yeah. pay an insurance premium. Well, I mean, in theory, but this, this the thing of it is, how we're kind of, we're talking at practice versus theory. Anyway, the first class I ever walked into, the professor said, the, the, the world's worst number you can't count on of ever meaning anything is the unemployment rate. <laughs> and here it is, yeah. 50 years later. And they it's, still use it. <laughs> yeah, they still use it. So, so there's well, 90... It's the, only number that you, it's the only number that out there, I think, where if it goes down, it could be because of a bad thing. And they can claim it's good. Well, the only, right? the only, the only, the only thing I would say about your buddies criticizing you is that I would say that in today's world, they're they're correct and, and kind of you're wrong. 
I'm, I'm, when I say yeah. that, I say that it's not. What Hal's saying is, there's 5.9 million people that are unemployed and are actively looking for a job. And then we've got 99 million people we don't know what the hell they're doing. So in theory, if the economy got better, which is what Hal's saying, and a million of those people decided to go look for a job, the unemployment rate would bulge when, in fact, things are getting yeah. better. That's what you're saying. It, it would jump up. So that's what I said in my article. I was saying if, if the unemployment rate jumped up, maybe four or five basis points, that'd be good news because now people feel optimistic about the labor market, and they leave a long term unemployment spell long term long time amount long time out of the labor market they jump back in the labor force and they're looking forward because they're optimistic about the future the unemployment rate would actually go up but the better measure if you're gonna if you're gonna look at the uh the american labor market overall health a better measure is the employment population ratio right yeah and if you look at it from 2013 to 2020 it's actually been an upward and it's rising from about 59 to about 61 over that time period. During the pandemic, it drops like a rock, obviously, because of lockdown, down to almost 51. Then it skyrockets, skyrockets up, um, almost vertical, to um, 57 in October of 2020. It goes flat, and now it's going sideways again, and it's dipping. So the employment rate is dipping from 60.1 down to 59.9. Right. So that, that, it's basically going sideways, but the trend looks like it's in a fall. Here, here's labor, where, the labor market is um, a lagging indicator. Yes. Here's, right? where, here's where your you, buddies... You'll observe the drop. Yeah, you'll observe the drop after the recession's over, maybe. Here's where, here's where your ill-conceived buddies in their ignorance are actually correct, and I think you're wrong. Because you, are, you and I are right in what we're envisioning happening. Okay, uh, a million yeah. people deciding to get back in the labor force—that's a real good thing. But the way these guys have lazily started to calculate it, those million people will never get in that ratio because they're never going to get an unemployment check. And that's the only way they can ever get counted. The only way you can get counted as unemployed is to have a job that you'd lose and it can go get an unemployment check. If five million of these people come back in and start looking for a job. That 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 five million is never going to never going to swell to ten because they'll never be counted as doing that. You understand what I'm saying? You and uh, I, you yeah, and I, you yeah. and I know that they are now in and looking for a job and should be in that column. But I'm saying since yeah. the federal government only counts people getting an unemployment check in that column, they're never going to get counted. Well, the, the thing about um, the people who are. Um, claiming unemployment benefits I had this conversation with a state worker I think out of Virginia I was at a conference and we were talking about the unemployment rate and she was saying that the national unemployment rate was calculated using the number of people actual people enrolled in unemployment I go yeah. no it's a, yeah. it's a survey no 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 no. The household survey that the government does every month no 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 no, no. that's what and I'm saying that's where you and I are, that's what we're missing here what I'm saying is it should be the people in the unemployment survey that they're that they're counting every month, what they're actually counting are the people yeah. that are getting the checks because they're because they're taking the shortcut is what I'm saying they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Another another problem with the unemployment rate is if you have three jobs, right? If you're a young kid and you're working on your family farm 15 hours a week, one job, you're working at the local gas station, your second job, and then you're working um, a third job as a as an Uber driver. 
for example, you got you got three jobs. That's really only counted as one, right? And that's one of the problems with the the labor market um, data that was released last Friday. Is you have part time workers dropping, full time workers dropping, but you have a massive increase in the number of people who have multiple jobs increasing. Remember the and I uh, kind of think that's remember the political cartoon when Clinton was in office yeah. and he was. He was puffing his chest about how many jobs were created, and the guy serving him the rubber chicken at the banquet in the, in the little cartoon said, yeah, I've got three of them, and I'm still broke, or something along those lines. <laughs> you know, but, but, I mean, but, that, but that is the truth. I mean, I, I went to the Menards a year ago out by in a, well, where Audrey lives, and I did, I, you know, I'm there at 8 o'clock in the morning like the knucklehead I am. That's when they open at 7 or whatever it was. And I said, why do you, why do you get the morning shift? And the guy goes, because I deliver pizzas all night. He goes, so I can make, my, make it to my other job. I started my pizza job at 3 o'clock. I do that till like 11. You know, so there, there's a guy. He goes, all that's why we're all here. Yeah. We all got another job later. Well, he goes, that guy delivers I Chinese think that explains, I think that explains why the, the, the two trends are diverging in spring. The establishment survey, those, that kid would be considered, if those, were, if those were three new jobs that that kid got, those would be considered three separate jobs. Okay. But in the household survey, that would be considered one job, one employee. Just for, so for I think that might explain why there's a divergence back in the spring. Well, just for the listeners, the, the the household survey was down three hundred thousand last month. That's why yeah, Al and I are chopping this one up because uh, the other one yeah. we said we're up three seventy two. I have a and why are people why are people working multiple jobs now? Why are more people working multiple jobs? Well, if you have a family to support, your paycheck is not keeping up with inflation. You might have to pick up that extra job just to provide the money for the food or the gas. You might have to have that extra job just for that extra gas. Well, if your first job doesn't you know. cover doesn't cover the hospitalization, yeah. the second job is totally yeah. for insurance, probably. Yeah, maybe. So that's that's probably another reason why the, these two series are diverging. I have, I have another it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge divergence. Yeah. Hey, I got a question yeah. for you along the same lines while we're on the subject. Hell, there's a there's somebody, somebody's in the in the federal government, and it's probably not as prevalent as it as it used to be, but it's still there. Let's let's say, for instance, uh, Eliani and Chief Construction Firm decide we're going to you know we got a contract to build ten houses, and we're going to go out and hire you know three electricians and four carpenters and blah blah blah, and we're going to start pecking away with, at the nails, and well, we're going to pay these people by check. You know, we're not going to put them on the payroll. So now. You know they're 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 now employed and say they weren't, but now they are, uh, and we're going to keep them on, on for the whole year or two or whatever it takes to build these houses, and the government really doesn't know unless they unless they have to pay estimated, which if they paid last year they do, but it's not getting into the tax piece. But the government we probably won't even really know that these people are working until January when we send in our what do we send in the ten ninety nine or something uh, as to who as to who we paid what that hey. We paid Hal the Carpenter twenty five grand last year, and by the way, he owes you guys that type of thing. So there's somebody in government who tries to figure out whether that group of people is expanding versus contracting. And it's always been a theory of mine. Hal, I guess it's not a theory; they didn't write a paper on it. But is when the economy is going good, it's actually going a lot better than the statistics show, because all these people are being hired, uh, people are remodeling this, they're doing that, and they're not being counted while they're, well, you know, at least for a while. And when things are going crummy, 
And all of a sudden, we don't have the 10 houses to build, and we lay all these people up. Nobody knows they're laid off till January either. So there's there's this, I think when the economy is is contracting, it's contracting worse than the numbers tell us. And there's somebody in Washington. Oh, I, I agree with that, yeah. Well, somebody in Washington is supposed to be making a determination whether that group is is improving or not. If if you were, if, if, I don't know what I don't know where I'd put that right now. How where would you put that? Would you say that there's more of those kinds of people? When I say those kinds of people, people getting paid other than being on a payroll, be it a, a plumber or a carpenter or whatever, whatever it happens to be, you think that that part of the economy is is growing or not growing right now? I have my opinion, but what what, what would yours be? Well, if you think of inflation as a tax, and that tax is pretty considerable right now. I think what happens is taxes generally go up. People start hiding their income in legal ways, or even in illegal ways. I think a lot of more businesses done off books to avoid paying that tax. And another problem with the data is when the economy is doing well, that ends up being a magnet that draws people in from countries that uh, are doing much worse yep. from South America, for example. And when the economy goes into recession, a lot of those people will go back to their home country. So there, there's a lot of hidden information that I don't think you can get at. For example, here's a good example. My wife gets her hair done when she goes to Brooklyn. She doesn't go to the beautician shop. She goes to her favorite hairdresser's home on a Friday night watches Lifetime movies with her, and has her hair done while they sit there and watch Lifetime movies. She's a black woman, so it takes, you know, four or five hours for her hair to get done. And she gives that woman all of the, the fee, right, in a cash transaction. I guarantee that's going on a lot in New York City right now, with the, where the taxes are, where the, where the inflation is. I bet, I bet the underground economy is growing substantially, and it's gonna keep growing substantially, as this inflation gets worse and worse and worse, and real wages uh, decline. Yeah, one of my best friends, his dad was in a, when growing up, was a, an accountant for, I think, U.S. Steel, and, and the mom did hair in the back room in the house for 30 years. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean it was, you know, it was a, hey, here's, here's a 10 spot. Well, that 10 spot never made it into the, <laughs> into the well, yeah. you know, but you know what? I, a lot of people did that, and I don't, I don't think it was, but you, I think you're seeing some of that happening. You might even see a little bit of a of a barter happening. Now, SP futures down seventeen. Nasdaq futures make it made it back up though. We're up four. We'll see what happens here. We were down big yesterday. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, 
food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board, and he'll star with us as he is every Tuesday morning. S&P futures down 17, Nasdaq futures up four. Uh, Dow futures are actually down 230. Virtually everything in the Dow is down here. I got Caterpillar down 247, Chevron Texco down 286 because oil is down. I got Goldman Sachs down three bucks, American Express down four. So the Dow's taking a much bigger heat this, hit this morning. Now yesterday, which we'll go over in a second, Nasdaq was down the most, so they're they're actually up a little bit today. Over in Europe, we've got down across the board here. Dex down 118.9 percent, FTSE down 33.5, Kakaron down 19.3. Asia, whack whack over here. UK down 475, 1.8. Um, as they uh, have had a funeral for uh, former Prime Minister Abe today. The guy was assassinated with a homemade gun. How weird is that? Uh, Shanghai down 32. Point, that's a well, 0.97, say 1%. Hang Seng, though, down real heavy, down 279, 1.3%. These guys have been getting whacked because places like Baidu and so forth were down real heavy yesterday. And Alibaba. Yesterday, we were, Dow was only down, well, only down 164. But that's 0.5%. S&P was down 45, which is 1.1%. Like I said, though, the NASDAQ down 262, that's 2.3%. So the NASDAQ took the big hit. Uh, Bonds down 6 basis points, 2.93, below 3%. The Bund minus 10 basis points, 1.14. They were almost made it to 2, and now they're heading the other way, big time. 
Uh, Japan down one point two three. Uh, oil down five bucks now. Wow, four point eight percent, ninety nine oh nine. Brent down four eighty four. That's four and a half percent, one hundred two twenty six. Natural gas up twenty seven cents, six sixty nine. Still a long way down from the nine thirty that it was, and then it's a long way up from the five seventy something was was a week ago. So natural gas is incredibly volatile. Um, that's a huge contract. It's not for the faint of heart. That thing. Our Bob down fifteen cents, three thirty. We've got gold down fifty cents, seventeen thirty one. Silver down thirty three cents, eighteen seventy nine. Copper down eight cents, three thirty five. And this one we got to watch. Crypto down five seventy four. Uh, it's Bitcoin down. It's nineteen thousand eight ninety four. So under twenty thousand. Everybody gets worried. They're more worried than they already are. Uh, Ethereum uh, down sixty seven at one oh seven two. What do you have for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on July 12th. Let's start with sports. Uh, the White Sox lost to the Guardians last night 8-4. They got two games today, one at 12.10. This is a makeup game from the April 18th um, delay. And then there's also another game tonight at 6.10. So look forward to that. Diamondbacks beat the Giants last night 4-3. And they'll be playing against each other again tonight at 8.45. And the Cubs will be playing the Orioles tonight at 7.05. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, beautiful day ahead. Currently... Sunny, 71, high of 87, low of 68. And Phoenix, currently uh, partly cloudy, sitting at 92 degrees with a high of 111 and a low of 90. So be mindful of that heat, you guys. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic all over, so let's get into it. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. We have traffic westbound on 290 between Western and 17th. Traffic northbound on 294 between the I-88 ramp and the I-90 connector with a disabled vehicle at Roosevelt Road. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and West Higgins. Traffic eastbound 94 between Tui and Canalport and westbound between East 130th and Old Orchard Road. Traffic northbound 55 between Route 171 and South Kedzie and southbound between Cicero and Route 171. And finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the 55 North Ramp and East Grand. Back to you, Chief. The... Um Looks like we're steadying up here a little bit. The rest of the world is not. Hey, you know, let's finish up on this one. I want to ask you a little bit about this uh, this uh, cri- uh, crypto hedge fund that went under here. But uh, there's an article here uh, <laughs> written today from crypt- NBC, CNBC Crypto World. Now, what do you suppose Crypto World is like? I don't know if I'd want to live in Crypto World. Anyway, uh, why do we run into a situation? Um, I mean, not, not a situation, but uh, when a lot of houses, I mean, in the housing industry, for whatever reason, well, for a lot of reasons, uh, the younger people today want, want a house that's move-in ready, more so than, than you know, maybe I would have, because I actually enjoyed doing that kind of stuff, and I did some remodeling when I was younger. So, you know, if I walk in and the place needs to be painted, I'm immediately going to say, good, because it's not going to show very well, and I'll get it cheaper, and by the way, I can paint it, it won't be that big of a deal. And I'll, I'll, I'll gain on that transaction, but it's not necessarily the way people think today. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's different. So they want houses that are, are I'll say, move-in ready. And yet, in some of these areas, and especially in the southwest side, and I'm sure a gazillion places in the country, a lot of homes that were built, I'm going to say, in the, in the 80s, maybe even the 70s, are, they're brick, you know, they're very well constructed. I mean, they're not going anywhere. But if somebody moved in there and didn't do anything for... 45 years or 40 years nobody's going to like the kitchen nobody's going to like the bathrooms if anything they're just worn out even if they're you know even if they somewhat half-assed in style probably nobody wants the light fixtures I'm sure the paint's no good and people might 
and people might have been a hoarder, you know, so the place is full of crap, or the de- or the deck looks like it's seen better days. Um, there's there's a there's a, a pretty good industry. If that house was new today, is worth three fifty, and now it's going to go for two fifty because nobody wants it. it. It's just been worn out, right? So there's nothing like going. So there's there's there are people who obviously will buy it at two fifty that maybe have a few people they can count on part-time and do some of the work themselves. Say it was you and me, hell, we pile in there, we got two or three helpers, and all of a sudden we gut the parts that need gutting, and we put new stuff on here and there, and been in, been in maybe eight weekends with a couple of weeks in the middle there. We've got ourselves, without having to tear down walls or anything like that, we've got ourselves a very nice, updated home that would, it'll go for 350 And uh, yeah, I'm making the math simple here. Those guys, the last couple of times Audrey's had houses like that, she called her her guys, and they go, "We're not interested." And they and she goes, "Why?" Because they go, "The the price of the stuff that we have to put in there, because that used to cost us, you know, twenty five thirty grand in material, plus we had to pay other guys maybe fifteen, and our work uh, would would make it up to say three oh five. We'd sell it for three three fifty, and the, the three of us, you and me and Eliani." Uh, make fifteen grand a piece, minus the labor we put in, and everybody's happy. Because we can't do that now. Because plasterboards this, the woods this, you know those kinds of things. By the way, the stove that used to be this is now this. We have no interest. So it. So not only do you lose the upgrade in the neighborhood, those guys never really counted as working at all because they really their their salary was the profit, right, Al? So that was never captured anyway. Yeah. You lose the people that are the part-time people, and you lose, and you know, the thing just kind of sits there, maybe on the market, or, or you get somebody moves in that is maybe not as desirable as somebody who can pay more or something. Which, you know, maybe, maybe not. But uh, my point is, you, you, inflation causes a real lot of problems everywhere that you don't, know, you don't see. It's not just, you know, some, I'm going to say, really dumb congressman saying, let's not worry about inflation. Well, for God's sake, Helen, it's all over the place, and it, and it makes. Some people are winners, some people are losers, some people are, are fat and happy, they're not even just winners, they're fat and happy. Other people are never going to catch up. The numbers that we get out of government, you can't believe any of them because they're all, my, every time I dig into the detail, they're all wrong. I mean, it, it, just, it's, it's, it almost is creating economic chaos in my mind. Well, I, I agree. Uh, inflation is a tax, and I believe it's a tax because if, inflation is not, in my opinion percent changes in prices that are, that are denominated in the fiat currency of the government. To me, inflation is the excessive growth of the money supply. What I mean by excessive growth of money supply is you have the increase in demand for money, which is probably about the population growth rate, and then you have the growth rate of the money supply. And if you look at that difference, the inflation rate is probably, I would say, Closer to 12, 13, 14, 15 percent. That's, that's right where I'm at. And that, that, that's what I think inflation is right now. I, I, I don't think it's 8.8 8. 8 or whatever they're estimated to be today or this week. It's closer to 15. And when, when it's that high and your wages are only growing 3, 4, 5 percent, mine, mine's not growing at all. I think I got a kicker of 1 or 2 percent this year. I don't even look at it anymore because I know it's going to be depressing. Um, so I have to do side. I have to do side jobs. I rent out my motorhome. I 
rent out a room uh, in our condo. We have a three-level condo. I've converted a room into a studio with a Murphy bed and a little bathroom. I rent that out. Um, I referee basketball games for exercise cash. I used to do. Re- I used to referee for fun and exercise. And by the way, I get paid. Now I kind of want to do it because I need the extra cash because it is destroying my income. And um, we can't take the vacation now. We instead of going to uh, Target, we go to Walmart or Dollar Tree. We don't go to Applebee's. We might go to uh, Denny's instead. So these these firms that people tend to go to when the economy is doing well, they're the ones that are getting hit. I think you see this with Target. Yeah. Target just announced they're going to have these massive sales um, to match Amazon Prime. I don't think Target normally does that. Why are they doing that? Because shoppers can't afford Target with this level of inflation. They're going to Dollar Tree. They're going to maybe... In Utah, you can go to the DI, which is Desert Industries. It's like the Salvation Army. It's like a department store. Um, it, it, the DI is a department store system in Salt Lake run by the Mormon Church. And you can buy everything in there from, like, tennis rackets to shoes. And so when people start shifting to the DI, which is not being captured in the uh, GDP, places like Target are going to be hurt. So I think that's one reason why Target is running these big sales or, or have announced them. We also have that's uh, why I think we're in recession. We also have recession. issues if you run up here. I'm looking at the, the tax brackets. Now, it's not as, as bad as it was in the Reagan era where there's a million brackets, but still, here's kind of a key one, uh, Hal. I mean, especially since the, uh, the median income is roughly, uh, well, according to uh, Debt Clock, dot org it's thirty seven thousand. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's a little light, but say it's forty. Guess what I'm looking here at the tax brackets. If you make uh incomes over ten thousand two seventy five, okay, which is what the hell's that? That's five dollars an hour. Um uh, if you're working full time. So your 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 income tax is twelve percent. All right. Over forty one thousand it becomes twenty two percent. So if two or three years ago you're making forty grand. You're paying twelve percent income tax. Now, yeah. let's say the inflation is six percent a year, and your your company is nice enough to give you a six percent raise to match it. Well, now you're up eighteen percent. So let's say you're making close to fifty. Well, now you're paying twenty two percent on the part over forty grand. Yeah. So. Yep. I mean, the, the, the government has, has got to be the single biggest winner in inflation, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I think it's under um, understated, right? It captures more people in those higher tax brackets. Well, I mean... That's the silent taxation. Well, there's going to be listeners that say, what do these two knuckleheads keep talking about the government lying to them? Well, let, me, let, me, let me put this one at you. When I, I, you know, I would like to be on one of these, not because I want to go on TV, I got a face for radio... But, but these guys that are talking about how this doesn't affect anything, how easy things are for everybody, that is, that is you know, it, it, it's kind of such, such BS, Hal, because individual people have, have these issues. But if the CPI, when I was at, when I was at Pullman, the, uh, um, we, our railroad card contract, now it could have been done better, but this is, this is an authority, right? We had an escalation clause in our contract 
our being Pullman's, and I've worked for Pullman, where the contract went up with the CPI. And I don't think in those days, I certainly didn't, maybe I just was too naive, I didn't really think that the CBI, CPI was, was cheated on like it is now. So, I mean, if, if the, you know, the inflation was 10%, the CPI went up 10% or close to it. So if, if there was a, you know, if, if that quarter the CPI went up 2%, I would call the guys from Boston and I'd say, hey, this is a $60 million contract. Looks to me like it's now sixty million one hundred twenty thousand, and they'd go, "That's what we got too." Okay, and we'd 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 send a new, you know, we'd modify the contract with another hundred twenty grand. Well, nowadays, can you imagine if the three of us, you and I, and Eliani, contracted somebody to build houses for the last ten years with a with a CPI clause in it? According to these idiots, yeah. according to these idiots, we'd be up. We'd be up fifteen percent, and it's really like doubled. If we're, we'd be we'd be out of business. Cause well, if you look at if you look at the MQ growth rate, averaged over the MQ averaged over the year, and then year over year percent increases. If you look at the the percent change back in the early eighties, it's at twelve percent, which is what the inflation rate official number was. Yeah. But if you look at it today, the official number is eight point eight. Eight point five nine, but the MT growth rate is about seventeen. But I'm saying people actually use so these it's numbers. Double. But you, yeah. pe- people use these numbers for a reason. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you can't count on the number to be used for what it's for, you got winners and losers there. But hey, let's 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 stop talking about that. What do you, what do you, this crypto? These this, these guys. Uh, here's an out, uh, a really nice article by Mackenzie Sigalos, S I G A L O S. Um, from uh, CNBC, and it's a bankruptcy filing. There's three arrows capital. This is like two weeks ago. What the hell? Triggered a downward spiral that wrapped in many, wrapped in many uh, crypto investors. Hedge fund failed to meet margin calls from its lenders. 3AC was supposed to be the adult in the room. Now she gets down to a couple of these. Uh, these names are, are we're gonna uh, they. Uh, uh, you know we're gonna talk about these. We've heard these names. Well, three arrow strategy involved borrowing money. From across the industry, and then turning around and investing that capital in other, often uh, new crypto projects. The firm had been around for a decade, which a decade, oh, that's not very long, which helped give founders Zhu Su and Kyle Davies a measure of credibility. An industry populated by newbies. Okay, so ten years, you're a vet, right? Zhu also co-hosted a popular podcast on crypto. I'm sure he told everybody to buy. Three AC was supposed to be the adult in the room. Uh, blah blah blah. But now these guys. They, they, uh, the one is out for the uh, Terra USD. Remember that was one of those dollar denominated ones, dollar peg stable coin things. They gave money to those guys, so they they borrowed money. All, they, they lent money all the way through the index, the industry. Same thing. The one guy that appears to be hanging in there is his FTX. I, you know, hell, I think you were on when I said as soon as I went back and did the, the research on the tulips. As soon as they started borrowing money, it wasn't long before the tulips dropped. They crashed. I mean, yeah. as soon as I mean, how, well, the prob- how the does somebody I see? Well, how do these who, who lends these guys six hundred and seventy million dollars out of out of fake currency? How, 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 do you, how do you do that? Well, you know, you got people working in these companies who probably were in grade school or born about the time the Fed set interest rates at zero percent. So that's who's probably in these companies working. They've only known interest rates, the Federal Reserve rate, to be 
around zero percent. What is it now? About two, maybe three. No, I haven't checked it in a while. After the so, seven, after the point seven five increase, it's one and a half. Yeah, so they they their professional lives or their adult lives, maybe their teen years too. They've only known a world where the federal funds rate is between zero and one point five percent. And in that time period, margin debt has exploded. So these investors are borrowing to buy Bitcoin. They're borrowing. Elon Musk is borrowing to buy Twitter, or was trying to borrow to buy Twitter. Why do these guys want to buy on margin? Well, if the asset goes up 10% and they leverage that purchase with 1% cash, they can get two, three hundred, five hundred percent returns in a year. Depending yeah, yeah. on the, you know, the loan, uh, you know, if it's a, a simple loan where they have the price today and then the face value in the future, they can get five percent, five hundred percent returns on these things, right? So the Fed, with this easy money, easy credit, and I still think the Fed is being easy, because the federal funds rate is 1.75%, according to what you said, and the inflation rate is, I think, probably closer to 15%. I don't think so the, the Fed term- is still stimulating my opinion. Uh, Al, that's not just your opinion. When you're, yeah. when you're, you're, you're uh, ask anybody and say if you got a one and a half funds rate, is that expansionary or contractionary? Unless you're just, <laughs> you just unless you're just locked into some God knows what TV show, you're going to say it's amazingly yeah. expansionary. I mean, it, they, all day long you'll hear about how how strict the Fed is and how aggressive they are in fighting inflation. It's not. They're not at all. <laughs> I mean, they're it, not at all. No if, way. I mean, if, if I if I went up to the real the ba- rate of interest. The real rate of interest on a federal a federal funds loan, an overnight loan, is probably negative eight, nine. Yeah. Right. If you use, if you just use an average of what they're saying inflation is, and what I think or you think inflation is, the real rate of interest when you account for inflation is probably negative eight, negative nine. So the Fed is paying the interest payments for the banks that are borrowing from the Fed. Yeah, it's which is crazy. Well, I mean, if I if I walked up to the batter's box in Wrigley tonight, it is gray-haired and uh, a little out of shape than I, a little lot out of shape than I am. If you had forty thousand people saying there's a real ball player, does that make me one? <laughs> I think I'm still not. I still don't believe. you. You could talk all week about this is the second coming of Babe Ruth, but it isn't. Well, <laughs> this is this is a joke, and I hope I don't upset anybody. But in today's world, can't you just identify as a baseball player? I get, but I, I suppose I yeah I can just, I can just well I I guess if I walk there up in a uniform and a bat, I guess I'm a baseball player. But the question is, yeah. how good of what? <laughs> I have a really good. Uh, I have I have my. Uh, my uh, Halloween costume when I was in sixth grade, where I'm Earl Campbell. Oh God, there you go. But that's what it was—a Halloween costume, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually saw him at the. I'll put it on. I'll, I'll put it on today, and I'll uh, be Earl Campbell, right? I saw him at one of those sporting goods shows. Nice guy. Said hello to him. Oh, dude, I saw uh, Eddie George walk in to the hotel where the economics conference was back in New Orleans. I don't know, fifteen years ago. Dude is big, man. Oh, yeah. the, the, Six foot two, about two fifty. Holy crap! The 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 linemen usually lose weight when they retire, and you and you and you. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Alan Page, 
was a pencil compared to Franco Harris. Franco Harris looked like he was a refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, when, when you when you got when you got a guy who's in that kind of shape, and he's playing at two thirty, the minute he yeah. stops playing football, he's going to be two sixty five if he's an ounce. Yet, but Alan Page yeah. had to become a marathon runner. He, he got down to two twenty. He was he was half of. That's uh, crazy. But uh, well, that's the same thing as Schlepp. He, he played for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Mark Schlepp, I think it was. He 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 became a rail. Yeah. But the backs, the backs get bigger because the same thing with like the uh, the real big basketball players. I mean, Adrian Dantley was a real yeah. strong man. You see him now; I mean, he's yeah. a big guy. I mean, he's he's, he's got to be a fifty-two suit, and he's still not fat. But he's just a. Well, I think I think what happens with those running backs is their knees are destroyed and they can't yeah. exercise anymore. Right, but they're right. all but they're, they're also they're, they're just yeah yeah. I mean, it's a and those basketball players, eighty-two basketball games. In the regular season per year, yeah, it's a lot. That's got to take a toll, right? That's got to take a toll. Well, plus, you're practicing, you know, all the time and everything. So, what the offensive linemen are offensive linemen are going what eight nine yards on a play on average? Yeah, yeah. Well, back they're when, taking small baby steps. Well, and back in in our day, I mean, the offensive line were supposed to run up and they were supposed to run wind sprints forty yards, sixty yards. These guys can't yeah, do that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense for an offensive lineman to practice like that. Well, but it was <laughs> more. Well, it was more of an aerobic game. You know, well, especially in grammar school, because everybody played both ways. You had to be in shape. Yeah, that's I mean, you, true. Yeah, I mean, you didn't yeah. leave every every play and a half. You, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be able to stay out there. <laughs> in high school, we played offense, defense, punt, and kick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and extra point. We never got a time off. Hey, uh, I never got tired. I never got tired. Well, so what? When when we see this stuff uh, is uneven as I think it is, um, you know, and you see, well, we only got a few minutes here, but let's. Let's make the run. I mean, clearly the NBA doesn't feel any of this yet, or at least they think they don't. Oh, they don't know. Um, Politicians don't. I mean, and I mean, I, I yesterday I made the statement. I've never, if you could, you know, if 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 I was uh, Solomon and they dropped me back down here in a saucer and said you can run the place, I almost would have to. Not because they're they're bad people or anything like that. I, I just get this real feel that. Uh, the people that we now have in office and running this stuff are so far distant from the people that they're supposed to be I'll use the term ruling or governing I don't think they're any good I mean it's not that they're bad people I mean when I was when I was on the board of the CBO and you met some of these guys uh, you know like a Danny Rostenkowski lived in the Polish neighborhood in Chicago walked his dog every morning he made he made a point if you wanted to have wanted to talk to Danny and you know you had not just some schlump off the street, but if you wanted to talk to Danny, you went to the steak place where he was having dinner every night in Washington, and you got a, sp- a spot at the table, and he'd ask you what was your issue. And of course, there'd be thirty people there, and everybody knew the lobbyist that was paying for the dinner. It wasn't him or you or me, but you you got a chance to connect with these people, and they didn't they didn't really shy away. I mean, Danny wasn't afraid to talk to anybody. Big huge guy. Same thing with you know Tom Foley and some of these other people that I met. They just happened to be. Democrats, Republicans are the same way. I don't know that these people even feel any of this stuff that the rest of the people are feeling. I don't right think now. so. And I, 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 I don't know when why there's such a disconnect. Because well, t- I think what happens is when you can use policy, maybe you're doing it in a honest way and you're trying to help. But when you create policy that eliminates your competitor, you're going to be fine. For example, if you look at what's happening in California with AB five, I've been looking into this. Who benefits? benefits from maybe five. It's called the gig economy 
assembly bill, right? But the gig economy is exempt from it. And who's not exempt from it? A small business owner who owns their own tractor, right? They're, they're going to have to be employees now. Really? In California. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be considered employees now. Who benefits from this? Well, the Teamster unions, Teamster unions, unions do, because they've eliminated the independent contractor truck, right? Yeah. Who else benefits from this? Well, the trucking companies that have the fleet of trucks who hire the truck drivers to be their employees, they eliminate their competition. Well, you have to be so, a, you have to be a real serious and a and a competitive person with a lot of money, you know, read Rockefeller or Carnegie, to actually be able to maintain a duopoly or a monopoly if you don't have government yeah. help. You, you need government help to be a monopolist. Well, you need the government, yeah. I, I would argue that the people who are lobbying for AB5 are these trucking companies that have fleets of trucks and have drivers who are employees. I well, guarantee that they're backing this bill. And they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart, right? Well, if you put together a, a, a way for small firms to get drugs through the FDA, you're going to feel like the, Pfizer and Merck are going to feel like you harpooned them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hell, we got a dash, buddy. They want to limit Good their stuff. competition. You have a nice week. The weather's beautiful here. I hope it's beautiful where you are. Uh, SP Futures is, down yeah. 13 now. NASDAQ Futures up 21, so we're coming back. Uh, be back tomorrow. Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.